This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So glad that you're here. We are going to jam-pack about 90 minutes of entertainment into a three-hour period. It's just, it's quite a show to, wait a minute, I think it's the other way around. Great show today. We're going to start with a guy who nobody in his world wants him sitting in my couch. He is a guy that is, I think, one of the braver people in America today and a guy that right before the election decided, I'm a gay Muslim lefty. I'm going to go to Alaska and meet these Trump supporters and see if they are actually what everybody in the media says they are. And he wrote one of the most amazing articles that I have ever read. In fact, I think it's one of the biggest uh, articles that we have ever published at glenbeck.com, And that is saying something. Really a refreshing voice. We start there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Before I introduce you to our guest, I have to say something because um, it's critically important. People have been looking for the ugliest Christmas sweater, and holy cow, Stu has found it. Thank you. That is by far the ugliest Christmas sweater I have ever seen. That is so sweet. I can't, I, you didn't have to say that. That's, uh, thank you so much. Did you try to go for that? or? Well, uh, it is the ugly, you, ugly sweater does kind of indicate that you would try to make it ugly. Um, so Yeah, yes. but though no, there's a point where it becomes a crime against humanity. Yes, I think and I've found I that point. That is, uh, yeah, you have. It feels that... Sorry, uh, this, this from the guy with Jesus and Santa riding tandem on a bike. Are you uh, kidding me? Are you telling me that Jesus serious? and Santa would not ride a bike together? Uh, no. They'd they be don't. buddies. They don't need to ride a bike. They'd be buddies. Uh, well, one of them does. Forms of transportation. The fat man needs to maybe no, work doesn't. a little bit off. Yeah, no, you know what I'm saying? No, he doesn't. No, the fat man's no. got a plan. And he's, he's got flying reindeer. But yeah. how much do you want to make a bet? How cool would it be to have a little bumper sticker on the back of the tandem that said, my co-pilot is Jesus. <laughs> right there. <laughs> All in one sweater. Okay. I'm thinking about that. That's All right, good. I have. That's I have. Uh, Riaz Patel is um, with us. He is a uh, a gay Muslim. Um, what immigrant. else? What a, immigrant. Immigrant. Yep. Immigrant um, who has an adopted child with his husband. 
uh, there's just not any more categories or boxes to check on you. Yes. Right. I have the full set. Right. You're it. You're all of it. Yeah. And uh, nobody in my life wants me to talk to you, and nobody in your life wants me wants you to talk to me. Or at least it was yeah. that way. What six eight months ago? Yeah. Uh, I had. Uh, there were warnings. Warnings. People, there were people in my life were very concerned that this was some sort of a a trap to embarrass me or for for people here to understand. It just it. Uh, there was skepticism on both sides. Didn't you reach out to us, or did we reach out to you? Uh, I had to talk to Tommy. And yeah. then they had said we should we should talk, but at the idea of when I was coming to you, Glenn ah. Beck, yeah. the epicenter, the Prince of Darkness, is when the warnings <laughs> came out that right. I should be careful. Right. I should be. Yeah. And so um, you know, the last time we saw each other in person, mm-hmm. um, you, you had this conversation with me, you know, before we hit the air that uh, you know you said, hey, let's let's keep in touch, and and I made some comment of yeah, let's you know develop a friendship, and um, you said that wasn't working out real well. <laughs> for you no no, no. You're, you're a terrible friend I have to yeah. say I don't <laughs> right. know you literally disappear like a ghost and that's friendship right. so uh, someone has to teach you that there's actual right. constant communication there's checking in um, that yeah, that's well, what friendship sort of become yeah well see but uh, just like you probably with us we didn't necessarily trust you so Agreed. I had people check in with you so people yes. were your friends yes right <laughs> people weren't my friends they were people your were friends. checking in with me they're checking yes. in with you yes. okay but they weren't your friend no so when you went to um when you went to alaska yeah. tell me about that experience i think as someone who had had so many categories and labels applied to me yeah. that i did not feel were fair um i was starting to feel that kind of rage towards trump supporters and before the election, I didn't know who they were. I really didn't. They don't come across my path at all. And so I really was trying to figure out who these people are and what was their actual motives. You know how extraordinary that is? That's like nobody on the left does that. I mean, nobody on the I, right I don't know if anybody that. on the right does it much either, but certainly no one on the left because they're so insulated. They're so sure of of the way things are supposed to be that they don't reach out and check and see if they're right. You said yeah, to me yeah. before we went on mm-hmm. that you are seeing, uh, and I'm, I and I want you to know. I don't think I think this should be universal. Agreed. I feel the same yeah. way uh, on the right many times, but you said on the left, you're seeing things in a whole different way. Your own friends. I'm, I'm surprised by the level of judgment. I think there is a sense among a lot of people that I talk to that they have a sense of what you all think, what you all feel, and it's in, painted in very broad, unindividualized paint strokes, which is what I don't like about myself when people talk to me. You're gay, I think I know who you are. You're Muslim, I think I know what that is. And so it started to rub me the wrong way just hearing it about someone else. And you and I sat down yeah. and we'd had a conversation yeah. and I'd made some conversation. I said, I don't know why white Christians are asking me X. And you said, well, why do you put us all in that category? And it really stuck with me. And I thought about that. I thought, I'm a pretty open-minded fellow. Am I doing the exact same thing without knowing it? And so that was part of the impetus to go to Alaska is who are these people that I think I have absolutely nothing in common with? And you found... I have more in common... The funny, the common ground is the ground we're standing on. It literally is. There's so much commonality. So when I talk to people there and say, why are you voting? It's what's best for them and their family. Whether they've understood all the facts, whether their facts are skewed, whatever I could judge about that, they are voting for what is best for their family, as anyone is. And did you find any hate? No. I will say I have not. Not a long time. Did anybody in the mainstream media contact you 
This was such a huge story in our audience. Did anybody in the mainstream media contact you? No. No. Did that surprise you? You know, it's funny. I sent the, because uh, the, the, I wrote it on election day, um, the day after election day. I looked around and saw everyone basically tearful and upset and thought, wait, there's another side to this. And it was based on the experience of in Alaska. And I had sent it to a bunch of news outlets and to you guys as well, because we'd had such a lovely chat. And as what has happened multiple times with you guys, you jump on the humanitarian story. And I don't see that as much in liberal media. And that's where I work. I mean, I'm based in L.A. as a producer. And to me, there's such a, well, what is the conflict in this? You know, what is, what is, and that's the culture that we have been seeped in that's for two years. That's not the culture that people are seeking. I agree. I agree. It's just not seeking it. No one will buy that story. Um, and it will stick out like a sore thumb. But that's not what people are looking for. Right I agree. Now. I think we're in unprecedented times. I do, too. And I think people not just need to expect things to happen that are unprecedented, but they have to do things that are unprecedented for themselves. So I talked to Ted Koppel um, yesterday, spent about a half hour with Ted Koppel, and he was searching for an answer on fake news and what the problem is and how we bring people together. And I said, and, and I said to him, I said, so, Ted, there's, you know, we, we have to have brave people on both sides. You know, I, I'm looking for the media that will say, wait a minute, fake news has been around since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the town, town crier was certainly given a plate of food by somebody and said, hey, push this a little. And a few glasses of ale. Right. So that's been happening forever. Um, and the stories on Benghazi. The biggest fake news story of the last decade, easily. But it wasn't labeled a fake news story. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't made into a huge, huge deal. That sh- that's, to me, that's um, impeachable for Hillary Clinton to knowingly say those things mm-hmm. um, and mislead people. It wasn't, you know, some people reported it, some people didn't. Now we're looking at fake news. And he said to me, this is the fastest of predictions ever been, ever been turned around on this show, I think. I said on Monday on television, somebody asked me, you know, why, what, what is the deal with the fake news? And I said, I believe that it is the news media seeing that they have lost control of the narrative. Mm-hmm. They realize, holy cow, we're going to be in the dustbin of history. This whole system that we set up no longer works. Nobody trusts us. So what do you do? You know it's a dying empire when somebody reaches out for protection from the government. Mm. And so if you make a fake news story, the the next logical step is we need to license people. So Ted, I said that Monday, Ted Koppel said to me, Glenn, you know, uh, the Internet, people can just say whatever they want. Everybody's a journalist, but they're not. We need some sort of licensing to be able to make sure that you are a journalist. And just like we have a republic, not a democracy, because people aren't able to make rational decisions, we should have that in in the news media. Wow. And I said, Ted, you can't silence people's voices. This is a great thing. It's responsibility. And... I haven't seen on the, on the right or the left anyone actually saying, wait a minute. Aren't we doing exactly 
what we accused the other side of doing? Yeah. Because we are. We've just switched chairs. Yeah. And when you talk about licensing, then you're doing things that totalitarian regimes yes. in third world nations do. Yes. And that's a very, very slippery slope. Yes. Um, and so for me, there is this, the hypocrisy of open-mindedness, and I put in quotes, is driving me insane. That people who say they are informed do not know anything about the person who lives four blocks away. Mm-hmm. But I'm informed about the world. And so for me, I'm trying so hard to take these labels that encompass millions, if not billions of people... And say, okay, who is one representative of this? Let me meet someone. Go into their house. Meet their family. Sit down at the dinner table. And not necessarily the leaders. No. no. I I made all kinds of news. You know me well enough to know. Do you think I'm okay with Black Lives Matter, the manifesto writers, the one who say communism is neat, Mm -hmm. we need a blacks-only state? I mean, that's crazy talk. Mm -hmm. But the people who are in the street, I don't even think they know about the manifesto. Yeah. And they're not feeling heard. Those people need to be listened to. And I think at some point we started giving over all of responsibility of leadership, all responsibility for the country to, to anyone else but us. And I think we're now in a situation where who do we have left to blame? I mean, now we're going, it's obviously Russia's fault. And, and there are huge issues there. But when we have to take personal responsibility for ourselves, there's no one left to blame. Right. I mean, I've, I've, at the end of the day, my life is I'm responsible for myself and my family and my children. So, Riaz, is there a way? Because uh, Ted Koppel actually, yeah. actually said, you're too optimistic to me. You. My God, we're in a different world. <laughs> Your sweater is starting right? to be the norm. Thank you. <laughs> right. So Lord. he said, you're, you're too optimistic. And I said, well, what, what, what are you driving at? And he said, Glenn, there's no way back. And I said, Ted, then where does that leave us? Forward. You go forward. And I think that's what I'm finding with people is the constant treading water of complaining allows people to feel like they're participating without actually making a change in their own life. And I think it is absolutely important. I think on a even more so than ever before, on a very visceral level, we need to go and meet each other and talk to each other so that people who represent us can't speak for us and can't speak with hatred that doesn't, is not in our hearts. And so for me, the way you dehumanize, well, the way you humanize people is by getting to know them. Yes. And I think we've been dehumanized for so long. Oh, yeah. I am literally a collection of labels. I am a gay Muslim immigrant sitting on your couch. Somewhere in there, I'm Riaz. Somewhere in there is a personality, but, but in all of the past two years of campaigning, I have been nothing but a collection of labels. And right. I think beyond that is and we are t- And we are too. Yes. Everybody oh, absolutely. is. We label and then fight the labels that are being given to us. Yeah. And yet we're still labeling. Back in just a second. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Sherry's Berries. Christmas is almost here. You wouldn't be able to tell that from uh, Stu's very preppy colored, uh, odd, unsettling, almost... Almost vomit, literally, I mean this medically, almost vomit-inducing. If, if <laughs> I feel like it looks like I axe-murdered a cartoon family, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it's it just does. like it's splattered all up on, right. on, on my... Right, right. Mm. Smurf blood. And, right, and, so it, Christmas is almost here, uh, as you can see by the sweater. And the perfect gift mm. is uh, online with Sherry's Berries. Where are they? I mean, it'd be nice. If no, I brought them in yesterday. Good I brought them in yesterday. I didn't get we one. We all had them. I was, all of us. No, had them. all is the wrong. Oh, one. I could get right. you some. Riaz, I'll get you some. We'll have some in the fridge. I'm sure. Some of mine with you. No, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Humanity ends right there. Yeah. At the very right. Uh, he was a little greedy yesterday, said, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's, that's not the way we behave. Is that it? is exactly how you behave around Sherry's Berries. Sherry's Berries, they are the best. And they're $19.99, 30% savings, double the berries for $10, $10 more. And if you go to berries.com, you will find that they have much more than berries. The, this is, they're incredible. Easy to send to anybody on your uh, list. Just go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, berries.com, $19.99, double the berries for $10 more. Uh, do it right now. Click on the microphone and type in my name, Glenn, when you get to berries.com. The code name, click on the microphone, is Glenn, G-L-E-N, and order them today at berries.com. Glenn The fusion of entertainment, entertainment. and enlightenment. And the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. And I want to talk about, you just went to Saudi Arabia yes. and, and had an incredible experience over there. And I want to talk to you about that. But I, but I would like to see if you can explain this to the audience. Okay. Um, many people in my audience, um, even the ones who want to give me the benefit of the doubt, I have not been able to crystallize in people's heads why it's so critically important that we reach out to people because, and I know this has happened in your life. We talked about it a minute ago. Glenn, nobody on the left is going to change. And my favorite is they won't listen. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep pointing out it, it's time for us to listen. Yeah. And when I say that, people say we have been bending over backwards with the mainstream media and the left for a long time. They railroad every single time and they're done. They're just tired of it. And they think if we talk, we lose. Mm. Why is it? Give me a reason. If I'm sitting there at home going, I, I, don't, I mean, I'd like this to be true. I'd like this to work, but it's never going to work. Yeah. I think it comes down to intention. I think when we meet people, when someone asks you about yourself, you know instantly if they're interested in you and you know instantly if they're just gouging information. I think when you go through, look, we all feel unsafe. I think a lot of this election is a result of people's direct proportionate feeling of, of feeling unsafe and feeling afraid. And I think the way that I don't feel afraid is by getting to know the people around me. That at the end of the day, I'm not looking for a theoretical government to look after me. I'm looking for the people I know and trust. And I think we've lost that ability to say, look, I don't have a lot in common with you, but I'm still your neighbor and I'm still an American and I'm still going to fight for your rights the way you fight for mine. And I think as I travel, and I've been around this country a lot as a producer, I've driven across the country twice by myself and just gone up to small towns and gone and chatted with people. I have never found anyone negatively react to me when I came in with the right intention, which is I don't know you, you don't know me, and asking questions and ask follow-up questions. And the genuine enthusiasm is what I thought is the best part of America, is because I turned to the person left to me and they don't look exactly like me. 
That's what made us great. That is what makes us great. Somewhere along the line, that difference in diversity started to feel divisive. And I think we go back to commonality. It's so how do we get past, how do we get past, because you're right, we have given the top too much power. And the top, it could be the top of the moose club. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah. whatever your group is, we have just signed over and become the collective because somebody needed to represent us. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do we find the power when everything in society says you as an individual don't count? By never underestimating the power of your own dining table and your own home. Is that is your domain to invite people in and show them who you are. I tell Muslims all the time who are afraid for valid reasons Open up your homes, talk to people, invite them in. The more we put our heads under the sand, the more people don't know about us. If you're not exposed to a Muslim, as many people in Alaska weren't, they asked me questions. Is it okay to drink? Do you pray five times a day? What kind? And I would answer them. But if they don't know, how can they know and feel comfortable if they're not allowed to ask? And I do think that is the most horrific downside of this political correctness is that people have lost the ability to just ask a question without feeling they've offended someone. Mm -hmm. You can't offend me if your intention is right. If you don't know, how are you going to know without asking me? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that being locked in this political correctness of everyone, what I will say, no matter where I travel in America, people try so hard to walk on eggshells to not offend me. And I think that is lovely, that they care so much that they want to delicately ask. And I'm saying, don't worry about it. I'm not a porcelain doll. Ask me what you want. See, I think there used to be a time when all of that was genuine, where people were really good. Now people are afraid to talk to each other because you're going to be called a hater, a racist, a whatever. Now we've, in, we've put fear drives some of that. Start with your own home. Start with your own dining table. A car co-worker that you don't know well. Someone at the PTA that you see. How hard is it to say, look, I, why don't you come over to my house? That is where we start taking it back. Rather than being dictated from someone to say that you legally now have to be politically correct, I cannot legally control someone's heart. I cannot legally control someone's prejudice. But I can get into their heart by showing them I'm a human. But there's no the more you try and regulate people's thoughts and feelings, the more they rebel because it's not, it's not what we're supposed to do. You know, it, it, people ask a question genuinely. It's labeled as racist. Well, that's a terrible way to start a conversation. And I, I would like to retire the word racism to a degree because it's now used for everything. Yeah. I don't know how, as four white people, you prove to anyone you're not racist. You don't like ethnic food. It's too spicy. Racist. You don't like coworkers. Dark skin. Racist. I don't know how you go through life being able to prove to people, look, I'm genuine. And I think the onus should not be on you. Can I tell you something, Riaz? I have spent, and That's refreshing. these guys, I know, these guys will tell you, I have spent the last six years of my life being accused mm -hmm. of so many things that I am not without anyone actually caring. And then when they do come in, we just had GQ here. Uh, I think it was GQ, wasn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't GQ. It was uh, Rolling Stone. It was not GQ based on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> Guarantee yeah. GQ did not leave any impression yeah. on this, <laughs> on this yeah, The sweaters, no. Um, so uh, it was Rolling Stone. Guy came in. He was, he was perfectly delightful. He said, I know who you are at the end and, and, and was really open and nice. And we, had, we fought it out and we had a breaking point where we both saw each other for who we really were. Mm. That's not the story that was written. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? And that's why people are turning against the media, turning against... I mean, this, this last election was not as much about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton as it was about the media. I agree. I agree. When you say, what do you do? I mean, I think the average person withdraws and gets angry. So the exact two things you just talked about as, as the opposite of, of what the solution would be is being out there and talking to people and not being angry and approaching them honestly. The, the natural human reaction to moments like that is to get the hell out of the way. And you know just what? Stay in your, in your and, comfortable and area. And look what's happening on social media. Yeah. You are on social media, and if you're not angry, if you're just yes. like, hey, guys, I, let's give this person a chance. I don't think, oh, my gosh, you're dead. And so what do you do? You withdraw. Yeah. Because it's become so toxic. I think I've had, and we talked about this a bit, I've had so many people over the course of my life tell me that you, are, you shouldn't be here. You, you, who you are is not valid, whether it's the gay side or the Muslim side or the immigrant side. That I think I had to build my own sense of, no, that's absolutely not true. So rather than trusting that laws could protect me, I had to find a way to protect myself mentally, to be able to create a space around me where people did not feel threatened, that if they came into the space in proximity with me, someone they'd never met, that they felt who I was. And that was something, but the key of that is I took my own power back. Why are people so, when did Donald Trump become one human being, become the be all and end all so, socially as well mm. of an entire nation? Forget politically, but now we're mentally, emotionally, and socially all wrapped around because of one human being same thing could be said for the left with barack obama Agreed. and the same thing i would agree with you 100 yeah he became the savior to i mean they were photographing him with halos they gave him the peace prize before he actually was inaugurated i yeah, think I, mean, it's... I literally I was like he hasn't done anything yet right and so i agree with you on both sides and i think to me the optimism comes from pendulum swing both ways and then they come back and i think we've gone left now we're going right Let's go back, but it's not going to come from the top down. It's going to come from us. And isn't it nicer to know that I have the control of my own home to dispel hate at my own dinner table? We have a, we have a great article um, that is on glenbeck.com right now. I want you to read it. It's about your trip over to Saudi Arabia yes. and what you found. We have about three and a half minutes. Sorry. Can you give me the highlight <laughs> yeah, yeah. of that? Very much what I found in Alaska was confirmed in Saudi Arabia, that people are always looking for the worst. And I was shocked by how much more liberal it was, the progressions they made in women's rights that they're continuing to make. This country is galloping forward. And as a gay guy visiting who's googably gay, I was very nervous. And none of that was there. Do they have progress to make? Yes. Can I just say, I don't think Googably is Googleably. 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 Google your name and find out you're gay is what I love that. Googleably gay. It's an intern. Googleably gay. It means, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I knew that people would know. The open-mindedness I found, the progression of women, the cleverness of these policy meetings, of how they're not, they're not just saying women need to take the veil off and drive. How do you take a woman who's never been out of her house and tell her to drive? She needs to learn what the laws are, what her rights are, what her opinions are. And they're doing the subtle work that needs to happen for change. They're not doing big global change of we're going to do that. They're actually doing the policy and the work. And I was amazed by it. And what I learned in Alaska with these people who said, please tell them we're not dumb racists, was the exact same thing I learned in Saudi Arabia. Please tell them that we're not back in the Stone Ages, that we are turning the corner. Do they have more work to do? Of course. But if people are progressing forward, I am interested. Did they know in Saudi that you're, that you're gay? Uh, is, and that's okay? 
It, you know, it was something, it was definitely something like, it was a bit like it was being gay here 20 years ago. Really? It was sort of not discussed. But, you know, at some point I showed photos of my daughter and people asked about mom. And I said, oh, it's two dads. And to some people it was the first time. But no one, they had an awkward moment, a few of them. And then they said, oh, so how does that work? And then they would ask questions. And that person now has met a gay parent. Yeah. Because someone told them, hey, this is who I am. This is my daughter. That probably doesn't happen much in Saudi Arabia. It's, I mean, it's, I mean in some places in Saudi Arabia, it's got to be a death sentence. It's, it's, right. The religious police no longer can make arrests as of February. Why don't I know that? Really? Why don't I know that? I'm a Muslim. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. The religious what? police, as of February this year, can no longer make arrests. I, I was talking that. to a woman who said she wow. had a party. There was music playing. They called them religious police, and they said, what do you want us to do? Come and advise? We can't close it. They can't do anything. I was taken on a tour with a woman who had her hair uncovered, face showing the entire time, just us walking around bazaars. Not one person looked at her strangely, hissed, not one. Why don't I know that? Is because the story is not interesting. That's the Rolling funny. Stone story is you to be a villain. But it's and the well, Saudi Arabian story is they're all bad. There is, I contend. I, I every time I meet with somebody from Hollywood or somebody from television, they tell me it won't sell. I contend it will. It sell. will in this new era. I believe it will. If we have reached a saturation point of conflict, where reality TV created this conflict that ended up in the biggest boxing match of an election, I think now the pendulum will swing and we can get to a place where people enjoy feeling good. Well, I sure enjoy talking to you. Mm, it's great. Mutual. Mutual. Did you enjoy my sweater or you didn't really? I felt, I was saying, I felt a bit like the new kid in the cafeteria and I felt like you would let me sit at your table and I generally was allowed to, when I leave now, then I'll know what you really thought of me. But, but I, I felt like a kid at the cafeteria and I felt very welcomed. Well, you are, you're very welcomed here. Yeah. And I, I hope to become friends. <laughs> and uh, I've given you my email address. Yes, and yes I you would, have. I would. Uh, and I may give you mine. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> you want emails at 3 a.m with new assignments <laughs> uh thank you so much always a pleasure honestly. and by the way you can find his article on what he found and you won't find this anyplace else you can find it at glenbeck.com they're just as as he said they're just they're, they're nobody wants to print the good news and the things that you aren't hearing uh, this is one of those things. You can Let's find it start. at glenbeck.com. Yes, thank you. Um, back in just a second. Our sponsor this half hour is Casper Mattress. Casper Mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with all the support that you need. I, I have to tell you, these uh, foam beds, I hate them because you wake up in the middle of the night and you are just sopping wet. Yes, oh, they're so comfortable and they're wonderful when you're in the showroom. And then you get them home, and they all tell you the same thing. Oh, no, it's very cool. No, it's not. I mean, if you grew up in hell, yes, it might be cool. It, in reality, it's not. Here's the way. Casper Mattress, they know that you can go and um, uh, lay in a showroom and, you know, and learn nothing. Or they'll send the bed to you, and for 100 nights you can sleep on it. If you don't love it, ship it back. They come pick it up. Uh, there's no cost to you, and every penny is returned to you. Casper.com. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. If you use the promo code BECK, terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Casper.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Gloria, 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 
727 back. Will the Glenn Beck program. I love this guy. I think he is. He's great. I think he is a, a real sign of hope. A real sign of hope. Two people that should not get along on paper. I love him. I love him. Yeah, I mean, and I think, yes, you're right, on, on paper. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, obviously knowing you for a long time, it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, he seems to really be someone who's honestly trying to understand the world and trying to that's make... All, that's all you need. Yeah, that's great. That's all you need. You're talking about, the, you, you threw in a, a comment there uh, when you were going back and forth a little while ago about the news. And, and you were talking about how the news tonight, kind of people try to scare you. Yeah into the news, you know, the whole thing of like, hey, coming up tonight at 11, your kids might die by 10, we'll tell you how. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole, that whole thing with social media is now every other tweet is that. Every other tweet is another tweet about how, this important, vital story that if you don't click on it right now, the world might explode uh, and you something drastically terrible might happen to you. And, you know, it's just not the real world, right? Like, no. you know, you see these, I, I, and I, I realized that I was in this world a little bit during the election and that I kept reading these stories about like the Trump transition or the Hillary Clinton campaign melting down or mm-hmm. whatever. And you read these things every day and, you know, there's news value to them at some level and they're interesting to read. But so many of them wound up not capturing what was reality. Yes. And so you that time yes. was wasted, wasted as you got excited yes. or disappointed or frustrated or angry. All of that was wasted because you know what? None of it had anything to do with what actually got happened in the election. Um, and, you know, I, like it feels like as I kind of caught myself getting sucked up into that occasionally, you, you almost want to think longer term. Have those longer-term things. Read more books. Watch more documentaries. Do things that you don't, you're not taking me seriously because of the sweater, are you? No, I'm looking at the sweater. I need to talk to the person in shading today. Who's in shading? Because the color is all wrong. Because I'm looking at the color on television and the color in real life. And your sweater is vomitous in real life. It's very nice. It's hideously ugly on television. But it is nowhere near the color. Coming together still, I see. Yeah. The Glenn Beck Program. I got up and got my own. He got up and got his own. Get up and get your own, fatty. (laughs) This is not going well. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. So glad that you are here today. We, uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Elf Christmas Story. And it doesn't and count. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, either Home Alone. Doesn't count. Shut what's up. your favorite Christmas movie? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas Good. Twist. Because we have, no. Oh, no, Christmas Isis Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> Day and Tomorrow on The Wonderful World of Stew. Jeez. Nice. nice. Unbelievable. We, we have a guest on who's going to. Tell us some cool stuff about Jimmy Stewart, and in particular, things about It's a Wonderful Life well, that you that you've never heard before. What are you, a screw? Yeah. Don't you know me? Are you working for Potter? We go there right now.
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello and welcome to the uh, welcome to the program. I was reading an article um, about uh, Jimmy Stewart, this new book that's out called Mission. And I learned some stuff about Jimmy Stewart that I really wasn't aware of, and especially um, what was happening with him when he came back to film. Glenn, don't you know me? Don't you know me, Glenn? So when he was filming that, he and Frank Capra were going through PTSD, which nobody talked about back then. Mm -mm. And Jimmy Stewart was quite an amazing guy. Robert Matson. Uh, is the author of Mission, Jimmy Stewart and the Fight for Europe. And we wanted to get him on. Uh, Robert, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So, so tell, me, tell me what we don't know about Jimmy Stewart. Well, uh, in the context of It's a Wonderful Life, um, he had just come back from the most horrific combat experiences over the skies of Europe that you could imagine. Now, and... he, was not, he, he was not a... You know, as a celebrity, he could have gone and done anything over in World War II, but he didn't. He really signed up and was like, no, I really want to fight. Yeah, um, he, the War Department and Hollywood both wanted to keep him stateside, of course, because nothing good could come of a, um, <clears throat> of a Hollywood star being shot down over Germany. So That's for sure. uh, he had to buck those headwinds to get overseas, and he, he managed to do it. It took him two years. And so what, what exactly was his job when he was uh, over there? What, what did he do? He, you well, said in the skies over Europe. What, was he, a, he wasn't a pilot, was he? He was a pilot. He was, he was a, a pilot. bomber pilot. Wow. Um, he, uh, he had been a private pilot in his Hollywood years. That was the first thing he mm. did when he earned a Hollywood paycheck, was learn to fly, and then he bought his own plane. And so he was ready. He wanted to serve, and he wanted to serve mm. as an Army pilot, and that's exactly what he did. And at first, he was training other pilots stateside. It was eating him alive. He wanted to go fight. And, and finally, he did get a combat assignment as a squadron commander in a heavy bomb group that went over to England in 1943. This guy was almost too good to be true, wasn't he? I mean, an American patriot, American hero, a tremendous actor, married for... To the same woman virtually his whole life, right? No, no major scandals that we know of. Uh, and I... if we do, we don't necessarily want to know about them, <laughs> right? I mean, this is a book that I, I want to read this over the Christmas holiday because I love Jimmy Stewart. And uh, uh, is this is this are, are you are you going to wreck him for me? No, I'm not going to wreck him for you. I, I went into this project neutral on the guy. I mean, not a fan per se. Everybody loves It's a Wonderful Life. Well, almost everybody. Um, and, but I grew to admire him tremendously through learning about the 20 combat missions that he went through and what he was like when he came back, you know, refusing to talk about what it was like over there. So, so he, when he's on the set, because Frank Capra, what was Frank Capra doing during the war? Frank, Frank Capra was making patriotic films, um, films to let America know what was going on overseas, who the enemy was. Um, what our boys were doing over there. Um, so his experience wasn't like Jim's, but Frank was away for four years from Hollywood, and Jim was away for five. I mean, Jim slammed the door on Hollywood and left it behind. And so he's coming back as 
really a middle-aged man. There's a photo in the book that's a before shot in 1942 of this fresh-faced Jimmy Stewart, just got his wings, second lieutenant. Two years later, he looks like a haggard old man from, by then it was like 14 combat missions in three months. So um, when, by the time they reached the set of It's a Wonderful Life, uh, they were both feeling this is make or break for me. If I don't make this work, my career is over. They were both thinking that. And so the set was extremely tense. It was nothing like you would think it would be. So it was it was shot in California. The snowy scene is happening in California in the middle of June, right? They're in the Mojave this. Desert at 90 degrees. That's right. In the <laughs> desert. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and I got the impression from what the story, I, I don't even remember where I read this, um, but it was about your book. And I got the impression that that was, it was, it was just rife with problems. Well, um, that particular scene was shot at the RKO ranch in Encino and they had to really invent a new type of snow that could withstand the heat and could still be slushy, could still look and feel like snow. So, yeah, I mean, it was a tough shoot, but the whole movie, if you look at the movie, it's an extravagant picture with a tremendous number of setups. They recreated that whole main street of Bedford Falls. Um, a lot of interior shots, everything that was, the, all the bridge sequences where Clarence jumps in the water and Jim jumps in, those are all done in the studio, and that took weeks to get it right. Capra was a perfectionist. Uh, a lot went into that movie. And did they have any idea, did, did Jimmy Stewart have any idea of what that movie was going to be at the end of it? No, he was disappointed in how it turned out. Uh, he was always a populist in the sense that if the public liked his picture, he liked his picture. If the public didn't react like he wanted, then he didn't like the picture. And mm. uh, It's a Wonderful Life was made at, right at the end of the war. You know, it, a war-weary America, I don't think, was ready for this particular picture. And it took another 10 years before it was embraced, and that was by television. And that's when Jim started to warm up to it, when everybody else did. How did he change, how did the war change him overall as a man? Um, before the war, I spent a fair amount of time talking about his romantic adventures with A-list Hollywood actresses, and he went through all of them. <laughs> he, he, he was, was a player? Uh, Jimmy was Stewart player. was a player? Big time. I told you he wasn't going to ruin him for you. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Yeah, player. Okay, because here he is. He's six foot four and one hundred and forty pounds, and he thought he was Jeez, just this man. gangly guy that no one would find attractive. So he had to prove to himself that he was attractive. That was his pre-war thing. Mm. But when he came back, he realized how superficial that was. He didn't need to prove that to himself anymore. He had also proved the other thing that he needed to prove, which, he was, which was that he was brave enough to represent the Stewart family. And that's what mission is really all about, is his, his family mission to serve their country. And he proved that to himself. So he came back as a, a mature person who had been seasoned by all this death and devastation and that's why he was ready to settle down, and, and he did it beautifully. And he also carved this career that emphasized the darker side of him that had come out of the war. This hardened, tough man came out of the war, and he started to play tough roles. What do, what do you mean his family? His, his family had a long history of war uh, oh, yeah. heroes? 
both of his grandfathers were in the Civil War. One of them was a hero of the second day of Gettysburg uh, at Little Round Top, and the other one served with Custer in the Shenandoah Valley. And so, and that oh. grandfather, mm. also named James M. Stewart, uh, lived into the 1930s, and Jim learned all about war from someone who saw Lee surrender to Grant at Appomattox. Um, do, do these kind of guys exist anymore? Yeah, I've been asked that, and Pat Tillman comes to mind, you know? Uh, someone who just walked away from a very successful public career to serve. But there, they are few and far between. But even in Jim's time, they were few and far between. Because most people, they just, they would do their rounds and they would be seen in the uniform. They would raise money, raise awareness and, and, and not actually go in and fight. Was it was he a, a believer in what he was fighting against or just a believer of what he was fighting for? Boy, that's a great question. Um, both. I think both. Uh, he was a tremendous believer in the cause, and it was the happiest time in his life. He said that often. He said that uh, he was never happier than doing this righteous thing for this righteous cause. He, that was, I mean, being a pilot in World War II... It was quite surprising that he lived, honestly. I mean, how many missions did he fly? He flew 20 exactly. And at one point on one of his missions, on February 25, 1944, an anti-aircraft shell hit the flight deck of his B-24 Liberator and blew a hole between his feet two feet across. And his map case fell out wow. the hole and went down to Germany. And that was one mission too many. When he landed that plane, it cracked in half. I mean, that's just, that was his closest brush with death, but he had more than that. And that's what people just don't know. That's the guy. That's his backstory when you watch a wonderful, It's a Wonderful Life. He had just been there, and he had just done that. Mm. Robert Mattson, um, thank you for the time that you uh, spent on, on looking at this man's life and telling us the truth about who he really was. Mission, Jimmy Stewart and the Fight for Europe by Robert Matson. Great Christmas gift for anybody like me who just loves Jimmy Stewart and uh, loves a good story of history that you've never heard before. Robert Matson, Mission is the name of the book. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. You bet. God bless. Um, all right. I want to tell you about our, uh, our sponsor this half hour. It is Goldline. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve increased the key interest rate. They've been threatening to do this forever. Anybody remember, this is another one of the predictions, Stu, that I know that, uh, I know that you have written down someplace. I said they won't raise the interest rates until... Uh, uh, the next president has been elected and the next one is coming in. That's when they raise it. And here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Um, they have been holding back uh, for as long as they possibly could and then some. You're going to start seeing the truth about the economy and you're going to start seeing people on television start freaking people out. You can sleep with confidence if you call and get the important risk information about gold and silver. See why gold and silver is the 
the gold standard, why it is the thing that the world always runs back to. Gold line. The only people I trust, they've been in business for over 50 years. Gosh, I've been saying that for a long time now. It's probably closer to 60 years now. Gold line, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Call them now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. truth about that amazing story about the Santa that the kid died in the arms and it was lovely and the Santa and the Santa and we don't know the truth yet right because we can't get we can't get Santa on the phone we've been trying to get Santa on the phone and uh, do a story on him and it's such a wonderful story and um, John Ziegler we're going to try to get him on the phone because he says that is a fake story he, 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 he has questions about it is the way I would put it. Um, and Same questions you guys had. Well, because we always, it's funny, Pat and I, uh, you know, we do Pat and Sue uh, every, every day on, on this network. Uh-huh. And when, we, when, when <laughs> these stories the come up, every once in a while, them. every once in a while these nice stories come up. And without fail, between myself, Pat, and Jeffy, yeah. we wind up always ruining them. Because all we see is like how the the nice story is actually a scam, or how in re- maybe they're all going to get hit by a bus when they walk out the front door after the nice ending. Well, that's the way we see the, the world. Kid dying in Santa's arms with his parents right. it, it told to wait outside. It just seemed a little preposterous. What parents are going to say? Yeah, go ahead, Santa. We I, the last few minutes we wanted to spend with you, and we'll just be out here. <laughs> We're going to go down to the cafeteria. Let us know when he dies. We'll come back up. See, I didn't see it that way. I saw it with the door open and them by the door. Uh-huh. You know. I, th- that one, that part of it did seem immediately odd to me. Yes. Like, I, I'm just thinking odd. of myself with my kid who's seconds away, apparently, mm. from, from dying. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Why don't you just go in there, Mr. Stranger, um, uh, and I'll stay. Does it look like it didn't happen at all or just no. not the way he said? Well, we should have him way. on to outline the whole thing. Um, I don't want to ruin the – I mean, I, I will say this, though. It does appear to be that his case that he admitted was like, this just doesn't sound right. Let me give you why I don't think it sounded right. That was the article he wrote for Media. Um, now the original source for the article, the newspaper, is saying – uh, because the uh, the story does not meet the newspaper's standards of verification, we oh are no longer standing by the veracity. <laughs> of the- <laughs> so now this great Santa. Wow. By, by the way, this is a positive. Uh, you know, because people get, oh, man, I can't believe you're ruining this great story. The kid died. If this story is untrue, the kid didn't die. <laughs> this is a good story. We right. hope it's a lie. Right. Right. In reality, the nice warm feeling you me- you felt when you heard the story and the nice little cuddly Santa moment does not outweigh a dead kid. So good, yeah, why I would, hope it's a lie. I've seen the Santa. Now, not do any interviews, but I've seen the camera around the Santa. Why wouldn't this Santa just come out and say, that wasn't true? 
It's unclear. Does it look like Santa is involved in this? <laughs> I don't think the certainly the real Santa is not involved in this. Right. Um, th- this particular but Santa's gentleman, helper. We talked about how yeah. what a great Santa's helper he was. Uh, it is. A, it was Santa a dramatic story. Make his coat red for a reason. Um, I mean, we can go and go through this, but I think we should. <laughs> well, let's John is the guy to, to lay this out because he, he will do it and he will do it with lots of energy, which will be fun. Um, but it's an amazing story. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. And look, we, we did the story on the air, too. That was great. But it, it's something that happens in media all the time now because you hear these stories. And I'll tell you, when you hear that story, it was, seemed unbelievable to me. But my assumption was, well, look, it's everywhere. Somebody must have fact checked mm-hmm. it. That's your first thought. And, you know, we come at it from a skeptical eye when it comes to politics and things like that because, you know, we, we know their spin so well. When it's, a, when it's a story that doesn't go down any partisan lines or doesn't seem to have an overt narrative, you're more likely to just be like, oh, wow, what a nice story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we can't, as John is saying, you can't, we don't know the truth for sure yet, but it does, it does seem like there's at least inconsistencies in the story. And it, at the very least, it may have been embellished quite a bit. You're a Grinch. This is, this is why no one wants to go after and, and try to disprove it, right? Right. Why would you disprove this wonderful story, wonderful where, this, where, story. where a kid is dead? What a wonderful holiday wish yeah, I don't like the ending. I don't like the ending. Right. It was terrible. Mm, it was. Terrible. It does not seem to be that there was a kid who meets this <clears> description <throat> who died in the area around this time. Which is a problematic part of the story. Was there a really was there a really sick kid any in there in that area at all? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't have <clears throat> a sick kid uh, registry. I don't have that. But I mean, if there is access, this is all to a hoax. It. That Santa just wanted a gig. Mm. Well, the, it gig. seems like some of the uh, the thought is maybe uh, Santa, who runs a Santa business, might as well huh. Santa business to increase. <laughs> Look, that's no, also who's going to hire this Santa if he's. Oh, lying about sick kids. Who oh, but I mean, this guy hasn't had a Santa. thousand calls for, for gigs after. Oh my gosh! Yes. Right, but you're gonna if you're found out, you're doomed. Shave your beard, dude. Everybody recognizes you the minute you walk in. If you found out you're doomed, did you live through the 2016 election? Uh, that does not right. seem to be the standard anymore uh, on either side oh, of the Santa aisle. Santa lying about dead children. <laughs> I think that's oh, a little. This guy. This guy will be our next Secretary of State. <laughs> with that resume oh man he's gonna be a champion okay. of this country but let's get john on and see if he's yeah. available now uh, something else too remember yesterday i told you the story about the real saint nicholas and the real um chris kringle Read that up too no oh uh and uh today i want to show you they always say Oh, it was the night before Christmas. That changed everything. That changed... It actually did. And you've read that poem a a million times, and there's a couple of things in there that you have no idea why they're in there, and you just went along with it. And it totally changes the meaning when you understand it. Next. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program.
Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. I... So during the break, I am... Uh, I'm working on... Uh, I'm working on my first real serious portrait. Uh, it is almost... You, you just and the make more up, I work on it, the worse it gets. You can just make out that's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not Patrick. It does Stewart. not look like Patrick Stewart. And it, it doesn't look and it doesn't look like Putin either. It's, no, it doesn't. It's supposed to look like George Washington and it's it becoming less and less like George Washington. Yeah. Oh, it looks you, like Washington. When do you type well, you you uh, paint on no jacket required in the corner? <laughs> so you really do think Phil Collins is what you're thinking. There's a little Phil Collins there. In the air tonight. Uh, it was looking a lot like Vladimir Putin about an hour ago. Mm-hmm. It was very Vladimir Putin. Well like it was Putinish for a little while. Think about it this way. There's, what, six billion people on Earth? And, like, there's only five or six people that it looks more like than the guy you're trying to paint. So that's not bad. <laughs> so, I mean, you... It, well, wait. There's, like, there's five billion, nine hundred... When I finish it, it will look like... Yeah, it will look like... It will look like, it will look like it's, it's, first of all, it's George Washington's life mask. And so when I finish it, it will look like George Washington. It's just... Uh, it's... Uh, is it when it, when you fi- I, I don't know the process here, but when you finish it, do you put a photo of George Washington over it or something? I mean, how is it going to get close to? It? <laughs> you suck. I'm going to send my kids over; they'll help you with uh, some of the details and stuff. I will say this: I couldn't come anywhere close to that. Like if I no, I couldn't either. I mean, that's good. Is this it's like a thousand dry- times better than I could ever do in my wildest dreams? Is this like dry cleaning? Like when you're done, do you send it out to another painter and they finish it? Yes, up? yes, it is. I I'll send it upstairs to the art department and go. <laughs> Make this look like George Washington, will you? <laughs> and, uh, is one of his eyes collapsing? Is that what's happening there? On the- oh, I'm not finished with it. I, oh. So this is George Washington's death mask, could you say? I'm, I'm sorry, life mask. mask. Yeah, this yeah, is when he yeah, was dead. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't have a life mask? I think right? everybody's got when you're When I'm finished with this, and after I've paid an artist to fix it, um, you guys are just going to be wowed. You're going to be wowed. Are we? No. Uh, I look forward to that day. No, I do too. <laughs> Maybe a long, long wait. You think in the current uh, political environment, though, it's probably smart to get into the habit of painting Vladimir Putin? I think so. Uh, I could have. I could have. Yesterday afternoon, it looked very much like yes, it Vladimir Putin. Yes, it did. And I could have stopped and sold it as Vladimir Putin. I don't think it does now. It, that does not. No, it changed his face. It doesn't look like Putin. No. Doesn't really look like Washington. There was about either. three I mean, angles yesterday in your yeah, in your office where it was all Putin. Yeah, it was. It's amazing how I'm because I'm just learning shading and stuff like that. This is the first portrait I've ever done. You'd never know it. And uh, shut up. <laughs> it's amazing how you make little changes and it completely changes into somebody else. It's incredible. Okay, so twas the night before Christmas. When did Americans start? to um, bring uh, Santa Claus or St. Nicholas into our ritual. Do you have any idea? When did we even start celebrating Christmas? Mid-1800s. Do you remember the the exact year, Jeffy? First. Uh, If I remember right, we celebrated in 1805. No. First, First state to do it, I think, was Louisiana. I think it's around 1835 or 39, somewhere in that area. Um, it was we pretty st- low-key, though, though. Yeah, we were just talking about it in 1805. Yeah. So it was not something that we celebrated. We found it garish. We found it really offensive. Yeah. St. Nicholas was brought over by the guy who wrote um, the uh, Ichabod uh, 
Crane. What was, what was that? Was that the Legend of Sleepy Hollow? That's Washington Irving, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So Washington Irving. Poems are not my specialty, but yeah. I, I think so. Washington Irving uh, wrote something for New York and wanted to make something very, very American. And so he wrote the first appearance of, of Santa Claus uh, was made by Washington Irving. I think it was about 1805, but he was traditional uh, St. Nicholas. He had the bishop staff and, and, you know, the vestments and everything else. He was nothing like St. Nicholas is now or Santa Claus is now. So when they changed him, when he became the Santa that we know, it was because of Twas the Night Before Christmas. And there's a couple of things that were fundamental that I have missed, even though I've read every word of this poem. I've missed it, didn't realize that, that just didn't even think of it this way. Uh, let's go to here. I was in my kerchief. Ma, or Ma was in her kerchief. I was in my cap. I flew to the window on the breast of the new fallen slow, snow, gave luster of midday to object alone. And what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. A little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. Can you tell me, can you tell me anything interesting about that? But describe him. Describe what, what, what just happened. Uh, there's a little driver. He's lively. He's quick. Must be St. Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was snow. Uh, and a miniature sleigh mm-hmm. and eight tiny reindeer. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never taken that to mean anything. Right? Just a, just a sleigh. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was a miniature sleigh. Santa Claus is small. Santa Claus is like an elf. In this story, Santa is about three feet tall. And the reindeer and the sleigh fit a three-foot-tall elf. So it's literally a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer and a little old driver. So he's an elf. Uh, then he goes, uh, Prancer, dash away to the full sleigh full of toys in St. Nicholas and two. Um, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. The reason why he is miniature in this is because this was, he needed to fit down the chimney. And mm-hmm. how do we get him into the chimneys? So this is an American invention. This is critical. He was dressed all in his fur from head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his sack, his pack. Why is that important? Any idea? We're so used to Santa being this way. Think of it this way. This is the replacement of St. Nicholas. What's St. Nicholas? What's he dressed as? Well, don't know, probably a, a poor man. St. Nicholas is dressed as St. Nicholas, a bishop. Oh, not a He's poor got man. the golden bishop. He's got the bold, golden staff. 
He's wearing very expensive vestments. He's wearing the bishop's hat. So this is anti-Catholic. First of all, let's take the Catholicism out of him, okay? And let's not make him remember what the church in, in, 18, in the 1800s, how was the church viewed, not just Catholicism, how was the church viewed in America, the old European church? You weren't going if you were just a regular person. You were going if you were a landowner. If you were a regular person, you didn't even have a seat in the church. It was for the landowners. So you weren't going to church. They didn't care about the poor people back, you know, in the 1700s in, in England and, and in Europe. So this guy is not investments. If you were poor... How would a poor man make clothes? You'd butcher animals and you'd make their skin into your clothes. So this is saying he's a poor guy. He looks like a peddler. Mm-hmm. He's a poor guy. Not when we think of him in the in the furs, in the red suit and the and the furs and everything else, we think of it now like today in that beautiful you know, velvet, no. This is a guy who was a working stiff, lived out in the woods, made his own way, was an elf, um, and, and had to make his own clothes, and he made his own clothes. He, wasn't, he didn't even have the money to go and, and have a loom. He was a guy who was just going to skin an animal and make clothes out of that. So he's just like you. That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, his eyes, how uh, his twinkled, uh, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, with beard on his chin was white as snow. The stump of a pipe he held in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. Why? I've always read that, and I've thought how politically incorrect this is now. Santa is smoking. This is really politically incorrect for an entirely different reason. Any idea what it might be? Uh, Did the bishops not smoke? Nope. Or the stump of a pipe. Stump of a pipe. Why? Why do you think the stump of a pipe? The stump of a pipe, it'd be broken and and used a bunch of times by other people, right? What kind of pipes did uh, did aristocrats... They had the big, long ones in there. They had the big, long clay pipes, okay? And you would use them, and if you were rich, you would use them, and then you would throw them in the fireplace, okay? Then they had those big, long, white clay pipes poor people would would go into the fireplaces of people's houses who had money and they would grab the pieces and they would smoke with just a little stump of the pipe or you would smoke a pipe for so long and you just keep breaking off the the stem until there was nothing left so it's the stump of a pipe it's right up again saying this guy is really poor one of you. He's one of you. He's one of you. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't until the turn of the century that we started. It was actually the Civil War started to give us 
um, the look of of um, uh, Santa Claus that we're starting to recognize, you know, now, uh, making him look a little more like the Santa we know. The guy who drew the Santa during the war for Harper's, what it was, it Harper's Bazaar or whatever, was 21 years old. And he is the one who gave us Santa's workshop. He's the guy who gave us uh, answering the list. And then it was Coca-Cola. And the only thing with Coca-Cola was um, they made him... That was uh, until, what, 1930? Yes, it was in the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's an interesting thing about what Coca-Cola did to Santa to change him. And I'll tell you about it here in just a second. First, our uh, sponsor, uh, this half hour, uh, is uh, Simply Safe. Simply Safe has a, just a tremendous home security system. It, it, there's nothing more important than your family's safety. The holiday season, um, you know, people break into homes all the time. They're desperate, and uh, some people just want your stuff. Now is a great time to get the protection that your family deserves. The company I recommend is Simply Safe, and the home security system is the Defender Package. Right now, you get $200 off, which is a savings of $200, but it means that it's $399. I mean, think about how much money these companies are making by charging you 40 and 50 and 60 dollars a month for home security. You own this for $399 and there's it's wireless and there's no contract and it's 14.95 a month for the 24/7 monitoring. simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. It's not going to last long. The defender package simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury This Santa story, you're going to be able to um, hear all about on the next His Story, which airs Tuesday, 5 o'clock, only on The Blaze, the story of St. Nicholas, the story of Santa that you have never heard. How did we get where we are with Santa? And the controversies of Santa that were happening in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages. It's fascinating. Um, Santa had three, in America, had three big moments. First, besides being introduced in 1805, um, and then still being St. Nicholas, being the bishop, Santa then gets a revision as a little elf by um, the author of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Then Harper's Bazaar puts him, makes him full size, puts him in a sleigh, has the reindeer, but generally still looks Kind of poor. and One of you. One of you. Still one of you, okay? And he's out visiting the troops in the 1860s. And that's where you're really starting to get this. Then you get the letter writing from the pictures in Harper's Bazaar and everything else. Same artist, 21 years old. The next 
time we get a major revamp of Santa, and it's the one that lasts till today, is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola did not change him all that much. What they did is think about, think about those Coca-Cola ads. How does Santa look? Jolly. Jolly. Uh, How's he dressed? The red suit. Red and white. Yeah, the suit, right? Yeah. Yeah, the boots. Uh, right. He's big. It's more he's, traditional than... He's big. He's fat. He is wearing beautiful furs. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's wearing the red and white, and it's luxurious. Yeah, it's right? Not, it's not the chimney sweep. Correct. He's not all covered in soot. He is luxurious. Big, beautiful beard, everything else. This is an image because it's the Great Depression. Uh. The artist can't even draw the Coca-Cola bottle in his hand. Coke insists that they put the bottle in his hand alone, and Santa changes forever. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Tomorrow, on tomorrow's broadcast, the truth about progressivism. You, you'll learn more on tomorrow's program. It's a special edition of the Glenn Beck program on progressivism. You don't want to miss it. Three hours only on tomorrow's broadcast. Today, fake news. There's a fake news story, a possible fake news story, and it involves an unbelievably heart-wrenching stories story about Santa and a child that dies in Santa's arms. May not be true. John Ziegler is here to investigate and rip our hearts out of our chest, show it to us while it's still bleeding and beating. We go to John right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. May I just start with this? John Ziegler, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) Glenn, Uh, your description of me there sounds like what my wife would say if she was describing my entire career. Yes. Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, so, John, I mean, I read this story this uh, week, and, you know, even Jeffy said, after I did the story on the air, so I've got a few questions, and I said, shut up. <laughs> right, right. But you, well, you have to go have around. And, uh, and somehow or another prove Santa is a liar. Well, that may be a good thing if a little kid didn't die, though. Yeah, it's right? great. It's I mean, that's awesome. 
Well, we had that's a great one of the story. things that confuses me about this story is, you know, I'm taking a lot of flack for a column I wrote on Mediate questioning this story. Yeah. I, I'm pretty well convinced at this point that the, the story is false, probably entirely false, and I'm happy to explain why. But you're exactly right. This is good news. There, I don't believe yeah. that any five-year-old yeah. boy died in Santa's arms. So Good. Um, I, you know. Okay, explain it here, John, because... I mean, the Santa looks like such a great Santa's helper. I can't believe right. this guy would intentionally. I mean, I, I mean, we've seen some horrible things. But for right. this guy to. If you miss the story, he says that he got a call from the hospital, right? From the nurse yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. The and nurse he don't knew. Even, you don't even have time to put on your full Santa gear. Just get here. Little boy is dying. His last wish is to see Santa Claus. And so he races there. He asks the uh, the parents to wait outside in the hallway. He goes in. Family already miraculously own. has a present for Santa to give Right, him. right. So what have you found out, John? Well, you know, I think what Glenn has inadvertently done is put his finger on why the news media bought this story and why the original columnist, not a reporter, a columnist for a small newspaper <laughs> in Knoxville, Tennessee, bought into this hook, line, and sinker. Because I believe this guy, this... Santa was imbued with all of our projections of Santa Claus. That it's not possible that a, a guy who looks like Santa Claus could do this. And and do his in his defense, he's a tremendous if he's acting a tremendous actor because mm-hmm. he did put on the waterworks uh, and 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 it was very uh, compelling in the story that he told. Except there's some very important facts missing, like. The name of the nurse that called him? How about the name of the hospital? How about the date in which this happened? The reporter, in an interview after this thing went super viral, said he has no idea when this actually happened. He thinks it happened about a month ago. How about the name of the boy? We don't need a last name. How about a first name? How about any other witness to what happened? All right, Jimmy. The name is Jimmy. How's that? Does it make you happy, Mr. Grinch? (laughs) Well, uh, what I would then do, Glenn, which is what I've done, is I would spend a ridiculous amount of time searching the obituaries for Knoxville, Tennessee, for the entire month of November for any five-year-old boy. And And then there was none? Zero. There was not even close to one. Wow. And and, and the the reality, look, here's it. A classic story, and Glenn, I have seen this happen in other cases. Ask Stu and Pat about my experience on the Penn State quote unquote scandal, where the media buys into a narrative, and there should be massive amounts of evidence, and there's none. But it doesn't matter to the news media because they love the narrative. They don't care. And so once they have the narrative and once it goes viral and it's a tremendous story and a great headline, look out. There should be massive evidence here, and there's none. And the fact that the Santa at this point is still sticking by his story without anybody backing him up, not the mom, not the nurse, nothing, no dates, no nothing that should be there, to me indicates the whole story is a hoax. Because if it was just an exaggeration, he would be able to say, well, here's the mom. Can't you come forward and tell, you know, help me out here? Or here's the nurse. Instead, so you don't think not- it would, you don't even think there was a kid at all? Well, I mean, could there possibly have been a germ of truth somewhere? Uh, yeah, but I, I have a, and this is purely uh, speculation on my part, but uh, I think one of the weirdest elements of this story 
that he says that his wife went to Nashville from Knoxville immediately after this happened, and he stayed in Knoxville because he was so emotionally upset. Now, being married, <laughs> that immediately goes, says to me, well, wait a minute. Is this a cover story for some reason why he needed to be in Knoxville and not go with his wife to Nashville? And this thing got blown out of proportion when a reporter asked him about it. Interestingly, he reporter says that he was mystified by this. Boy, this Santa really didn't want to tell his story. And as a matter of fact, at one point, he almost backed out of doing the story with me. And I'm thinking, duh, of course. He's almost backing out because it's not true, and he's afraid that this might end up coming back to bite him. Never realizing that this is an important part. Hang on, Mr. Hang on, Mr. Ziegler. By the way, Ziegler. Is that a Christian name? <laughs> Actually, it is. I get, I get, you know, the Trumps, the Trumpsters like to call me a Jew boy, but I'm actually quite. I'm, I'm actually quite Christian. I'm a, well, I'm a I'll believe I'm it when speak, I see your baptismal I'm certificate. To you from outside of my daughter's Christmas recital. <laughs> right, I'm sure. I'm sure. What are you going to expose that as a fraud to? Now, let me ask you this. So, John, are you? Now, I know this is your speculation. Okay, I know this. You don't have verification. But are, did you just speculate? That Santa was cheating on Mrs. Claus, and this was a cover well, I, story. I, I didn't say that. I, I, you said that, Glenn. I, I'm saying it's consistent with there needing to be some reason for him to stay behind in Knoxville while his wife was. America in heard you oh, say it, John. Gosh, wow. oh, I heard you gosh. say it, John. Is it possible at all that this happened in October, or have you checked October records too? Well, I've not I've not checked October records, but the, the the reporter is positive that this thing happened in November, and oh. although he doesn't have a date, but by the way, the date is also not lack of date is important because it doesn't have verification, and there should be a date easily. But think about it logically. In October, mm-hmm. what five year old boy is thinking about Santa Claus as he's right. dying? Yeah, it's too early. It's yes. too early. The story makes no sense. What mom leaves their dying son alone with a total stranger? That's the most preposterous. That's the one that got me. Because, I mean, you, see, you picture your kids. It's like the last, they're a minute away from death. You're going to be like, oh, I'll just hang out in the hall while you're with Santa Claus. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like something you do as a parent. You'd stay in the room no matter what. You might have been hungry. And by the way, you, wanted to, the you hadn't been eating like very much. The, the cafeteria is about to close. Somebody's there to sit with a kid. I'm going to go to the lunchroom for a minute. I'm going to grab a sandwich. Yeah, as he's dying within the next five minutes. I doubt that. Yeah, I'm going to say that. And, and by the way, the parents, the parents already have a gift ready to go uh, in yeah. early November for a Santa. Right. Who, by the way, <laughs> interestingly, part of his story, Glenn, which is suspicious to me, he doesn't have his full Santa garb on because he was rushing out of the house. Well, the nurse told him not to. to die. Well, mm-hmm. doesn't that give him an uh, the, the ultimate out here, plausible deniability for why no one remembers a Santa Claus in the hospital and why no hospital right now is verifying the story in the Knoxville area? I, I, to me, it makes my Have you called the hospitals? Have you called the uh, hospitals? I did not, but, but Snoops did, and they have not been able. In fact, that's what really started the ball rolling. Uh, this morning that the mm. newspaper had to back off the story because they, they get this. This is journalism in 2016. The newspaper said that their investigation, which began after they originally reported the story, yeah. cannot verify any of the facts. Yeah, here's the here. investigation. 
for the story. Yeah, here's the quote. Since publication, the News Sentinel has done additional investigation in an attempt to independently verify the account. This has proven unsuccessful. Although facts about his background have checked out, his story of bringing a gift to a dying child remains unverified. The New Sentinel cannot establish that the account is, ac- is inaccurate, but more importantly, ongoing reporting cannot establish that it is accurate. Therefore, because the story does not meet the newspaper's standards of verification, we are no longer standing by uh, the veracity of the account. I, I will tell you, John, the guy said, uh, the guy said earlier today um, that, uh, you know, Glenn, He's just trying to do this, get his name out, pump up Santa business because he's a great Santa. I got to tell you, this wrecks this guy. Shave your beard, man. You are going to be the pariah of Santas if you made this up. But, but Glenn, uh, again, I think it's possible this thing snowballed out of control and he never intended it to go this far. I think it's really one of the things, one of the many things that got my antenna up was this coming from a small market in Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't think anybody involved in this story had any expectation it ever gets beyond Knoxville. Mm-hmm. But because the right. world we're now living in, things can explode overnight. And how about the fo- how about a little bit of focus on the news media? We're talking about major news media outlets that pick this story up, hook, line, sinker, with zero scrutiny, zero follow-up, and zero uh, corroboration of any of these facts that don't exist that to me is the real part of the story that matters because it exposes how broken the news media is in 2016 by the way that's partially how we got donald trump as our president (laughs) do you think there's any chance that he's just going over and above to protect the family's identity and keep their privacy and he's maybe you know manufactured some of the details to throw people off the the trail this this morning i wrote my story for media last night we decided to wait another 12 hours or so before we went with it because we were waiting. Okay, is it possible that somebody will come forward? At this point, this story has gotten so big, there's no way that the nurse doesn't come forward, the mom doesn't come forward on background, somebody to, to back up this guy's story. There's just no way. It just uh, So it's theoretically possible, yes. But there would be evidence of that by now, given the nature of the story and the fact that it doesn't exist. That absence of evidence, in my view, is evidence of absence. John, one last question. Yes, Glenn. The jolly old elf hears what's being said about him, hears that he's his affair on Mrs. Claus while she was baking <laughs> Christmas cookies has been exposed. Yeah. He takes a leap without the flying reindeer. Oh boy. Then how do you feel, John? You killed Santa. <laughs> well, my four-year-old daughter is not going to be happy with me. I can assure you that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be in the doghouse for sure. <laughs> um, wow. yeah, I, I'm one of these re- weird guys, Glenn, to whom the truth still matters. And no, I know. Truth I know. I appreciate you doing this. I, you know, I bought into it, too, and I wanted to believe because we questioned it. And I'm like, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. I wanted to believe. But but that's why it went viral, Glenn. Yes, I know. And that's why it's important that we expose this because this happens on more important stories than just this. Yes, you're exactly right. And, John, I I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, appreciating your 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 incredible, uh, seemingly incredible amount of time to investigate something as silly as this, and yet it is the story of our days. This is what we're going through now on everything. 
Thanks so much, Glenn. Hey, one of these days, let's talk about that Penn State story. It's so similar. It's unbelievable. But I appreciate your support. Thanks. You got it. You thanks. Thanks, John. John Ziegler. I really like him. He's great. He's really brilliant. He's great, and he's right about the Penn, Penn State, State story. We should, is we should revisit fascinating. that the whole Joe Paterno thing. He's really passionate about. Wait, that. wait, wait, wait. Oh, you don't you don't know about that? This is a wormhole. It, it didn't. He, it is a wormhole. He's like not only is Joe Paterno not guilty of anything, it didn't even happen. What? He, neither Please. is what's his face the guy who's in jail for it. What? What's Sandusky. his? Sandusky. Yeah, Sandusky didn't do it either. That's that's so John's he, case, that's and he says, a I mean, it is, and he a makes mountain a mountain of evidence. Good case. He makes a really, yeah, he makes a good case. Oh, let's when we get He's back fired in up January, yeah, we get back in January. I have we to hear to. that because that if that's true, yeah. we need to that that's injustice. Oh, oh definitely, that's, that's injustice. Really Huge we, injustice. We need to help to John. A humongous injustice has been done, and part wow. of it was because Joe Paterno is conservative or was. was and he probably still is and <laughs> well, we don't, we don't probably know. even more so now probably more so probably okay. doesn't change his political opinion. now probably not now this <laughs> sherry's berries the irresistible berries they have also new seasonal treats have you guys go, go on sherry's berries uh, go to berries.com right now uh, and look some of these up all right to. they're uh, unbelievable berries.com yeah, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S. There, what am I looking for? Yes. Just look for th- something besides the berries. Oh, how about the nine Christmas cheesecake bites? Oh, we've had oh, the cheesecake yes. bites. We've had those. They are delicious. Oh, and Christmas cheesecake cheesecake pops. Cake pops oh. and truffles. Oh, their tra- their cake pops are great. Christmas caramel. Salted caramel. I am so into salted caramel. Right? I am too. So Christmas good. tree cheesecake pops. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so oh, no. berries are unlike, if you've ever had chocolate-covered fruit, forget about it. It is nothing like that. These are the best strawberries, and they are delicious, um, and they're unbelievable. But I contend the other stuff that they have on Sherry's Berries is even better. Yeah. And the berries are hard to beat. This is a product, as you can tell, all of us deeply believe in. <laughs> all of us. Yes. <laughs> Uh, freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries. You could double the berries for $10 more. They're $19.99, 30% savings. Take advantage of the deal by using the promo code GLEN. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone in the right-hand corner, and type in my name, Glenn. Sherry's Berries, a gift for year-round. Berries.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Friday show. It is the history of progressivism. Share uh, with a friend who wants to know about it. We had a call from a guy who said, you know, I read the book Liars and it is, it was life-changing to me. He was big-time liberal atheist. He said, I've changed my whole life in this last six months. Um, It's important to know where these lies come from. 
Then on Sunday, I'm on uh, CBS Sunday Morning with Ted Koppel, um, half hour talking about fake news and the ramifications of fake news. Then on Monday, I'm with Samantha B on her show on TBS. No guarantees on that one. Could be very dicey. Very dicey. <laughs> very dicey. It could be great. Yep, it's their Christmas show, so that's on uh, Monday on TBS. Want to play the real news, fake news game? Yes. Now, these are headlines and stories. Some of them are real, some of them are fake. You have to figure out which is which. All right, here we go. Lady Gaga reveals plan to cover her face again until, quote, until Trump gets fired from office and I feel free once more. Fake. True. Fake. Fake. Ta-da. Okay, no, wait, when you say fake... Like from the rightists.com, a fake news site. Okay, so you're, they're not made up head. I mean, they are made up headlines, but you didn't make them up. Right. These are real okay, headlines. These are All real headlines, headlines, but a fake story. Right. Okay. Donald Trump protester speaks out. I was paid $3,500 to protest Trump's rally. That's a. Wait a minute. I'm trying to say. So that would be, if I said a real story, it would be, uh, I would have to verify that that actually happened. It's a real How is it you don't understand this? I don't know. I can't play this game. <laughs> No, I can't, I can't. What, have you had a stroke? I may have. <laughs> Thank you. It's if it's a real weird. story, it would be real news. If it's a fake story, it would be fake news. And that is a commercial. That is a. Well, I've read that story, so I know the story exists. I really, they all exist. I, I really all exist. About you now. It's I know, just. I, is the story real or is it fake? Is it live or is it Memorex? It's not. Donald Trump protester speaks out. I was paid thirty five hundred dollars. It's a real story. Jeffy, fake. I'm going to say I'm going to say fake. Uh, it's from abcnews.com. Dot co. So, <laughs> dot co. Uh, yeah. So it was fake. It was a fake one. Is there a real sex, one? Sex with animals step closer to becoming illegal in Ohio. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm just going to go for it. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Wow. We're getting closer. So you that can, is not now illegal. Not now in illegal Ohio. to have sex with animals in Ohio. Book your ticket, Jeffy. Wow. This Wait. is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Try one more time. I don't know. I may have had a stroke. I don't know how this game is. I have a list of headlines. Weird. All of these headlines have appeared on Facebook. Yes. Okay. Some of them are from legitimate news organizations. Yes. Some of them are from fake news organizations. No. Have you been a part of the show where we've all discussed fake news for two months now? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That's what we're kind of doing right now. Okay. All right. We left off. Talk down to me. (laughs) Do not talk to me like you talk to your parents. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know he does. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's talking to me. Absolutely. Like, That's right. And we're going to go see a Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. All right, I got it. Take that pill I got now. It. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, the legend of Harambe continues as the dead gorilla received over 15,000 votes for president. That's true. Absolutely. That's real news. 
That's real. I'm with them. You are? Yeah. Well, of course you are, because it's fake, and you, now you have caused them to be wrong as well. <laughs> oh, that was uh, fake? Fake, not true. Seems like I just... I was going to say oh, fake, no, 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 but no, I didn't no. know what that meant. Harambe did not receive 15,000 votes for president, <laughs> sadly for Harambe. Right, okay. Yeah, another... But that story was out there. That story, I did yeah, see that, that story. story. They're all out there. No, That's they're all the out there. The game is all of these have all been over out there. So somebody claimed that. Oh, man. I wouldn't have clicked on that story. I wouldn't have clicked on that story. Good for you. Uh, Pope Francis shocks world, endorses Donald Trump for president, releases statement. Fake. Fake. Good job, Glenn. I think I got it now. You probably would have known that one. Right. Jill Stein raised more money for her recount effort than she did during the election. That's true. That's That's true. true. That is true. EU survey, 27% say rape, sometimes acceptable. That's true. Absolutely. I'm going to say fake. Mm, that one is true. Oh, wow. Oh. Kind of. It's from Al Jazeera. Does that count? Uh, <laughs> no. But yes, that is an actual survey. Uh, WikiLeaks confirms Hillary sold weapons to ISIS, then drops another bombshell. Wait. WikiLeaks confirms Hillary sold weapons to ISIS, then drops another bombshell. Well, I know I read that a lot of places, so I'm going to say true. But you ever click on it, though? Because I, I remember. No, I never did. But I never was like, on it. I, I know. You're right. I know. Probably and the thing false. is, WikiLeaks could say that. Absolutely. Right. They, no, I'm going to say fake. I'm going to say fake, too. It is fake, but you, what you guys just went through is what I think so many people do. Yeah. You, read, you see the headline. I've seen that before a few times, and when someone brings it up to you, in your head is, I've read that headline. Yeah. And remember. I've seen it several times, right. so it couldn't right. be. I mean, it was just not from one place. Wow. Uh, Hillary's ISIS email just leaked, and it's worse than anyone could have imagined. Now, that's fake. That, true. I think that's true. It is a fake, for a fake one. Ooh. Oh, you got one. Um, FBI agent. More than one. Now that I understand this <laughs> game, I'm rocking it. Well, it was so convoluted at the beginning. Real yeah, news fake news. It was really... How could you play? Who could know? <laughs> it's a complete mystery. <laughs> this is a new concept on our show of, of reading headlines, and you didn't write some of the headlines. Right, I did not. Uh, FBI agent suspected in Hillary email leaks found dead in apparent murder-suicide. That is Fake, but I've read it a million times. Yes, and that's from... Uh, what do you mean fake? That's like number 205, I think. That's <laughs> Yeah, on the, on the Clinton death list. Yeah. Right. Uh, that was from a website called the Denver Guardian, which would make you think... <laughs> which is the guy, that is the guy who NPR... Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how about uh, LeBron James' first step to protesting Donald Trump? Oh, that's got to be true. Yeah, there's nothing. There's okay. So here's the pattern that I'm noticing. Yeah, there's nothing outrageous in that headline. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say fake because he's already talked about that. I'm I'm going to say say true. Okay, that is true. It is true from the New York Post. What's his step? Uh, I don't. I don't. I didn't read it. Read it. I mean, that could be nothing. Like my first step is. I don't like him. It might have been safety, the safety pin thing. I think it might have been. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, North Carolina man says he set fires because he was bored. That's true. That's true. That is true. Uh, RuPaul claims Trump touched him inappropriately in the 1990s. Could have happened, but it's a fake story. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's true. I'm going to say fake. Uh, it is fake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could have happened. It could have happened. Could happen. so what You look at a lot of these, the fake ones in particular, are things that, that wind up having... They push your buttons. They push your buttons. They mm-hmm. try to get you excited. They get you angry. Yeah. A lot of times they try to create outrage. Like, you know, and they do what the Santa thing did. Like, like the RuPaul thing, I'm thinking, that's Trump. 
<laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's Howard that's Stern kind of thing. RuPaul was in the studio with Howard Stern, and he grabbed him in the crotch. Or, or like, in a, on a, even if it's a joke, or even if maybe RuPaul's just making it up for attention. But you mm-hmm. could, could you believe RuPaul would say something yes, like that? Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, it, it, that it, might even be the one you click on out of all those stories. <laughs> right. And, you know, no, it's apparently, apparently nothing. So, mm. I mean, this is the thing, though. You're in the world where you have, you know, Advisors to the president who are, you know, guest hosting Alex Jones's show. Well, here's the here's the thing about the Alex Jones thing. All of those would have been reported except for the true ones on Alex Jones' show. All of them. The more outrageous. Yeah. Oh yeah. More, I mean, the more he likes the, it, the, the thing it. that is so amazing to me the is the fact babies thing. Yeah, that he won't go down a logical road that the greatest enemy in American history, the Russians, are trying to influence. Not that they stole the election. Hillary lost the election, period. Open, open shut case, Mm -hmm. done. Hillary lost the election. It wasn't the Russians. But the Russians aren't trying to influence and destroy us and to tear us apart? No evidence of that. Here's the guy who is really the father of the steel can't melt thing with 9-11. I mean, he was the one who pushed that. He might have even been the one who started it. But he definitely carried that story uh, There isn't a conspiracy that this guy won't embrace. Not one. Except for that one. Yeah, right. And we put together a little montage of just a few of the things that he does accept... And then we finish up with one he just can't get his head around. I was told by a genetic engineer about a project they were on in England. They had in tanks people with gills and their little babies, and they were in there just gulping, clawing at the sides. You see a turtle at the zoo, and it looks out, and you feel for it. They got humanoids crossed with fish and stuff. Brain chips and the trips. They give the trips special vaccines that are really nanotech that already re-engineer their brains. Now, there it is, the gay bomb. What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. There's also reports about the feminization of fish and frogs. Large Percentages of them uh, are bisexual. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. Globalist. I've gotten a lot of criticism for not coming out and saying that Sandy Hook is an inside job. And by the way, he has said Sandy Hook is an inside job. God, we're not going to keep babies alive and harvest their organs. We're not going to sell their parts for women's cosmetics. We're not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. It's coming out very, very quickly that the entire election was manipulated by the Russians' narrative is a huge gargantuan colossal hoax wow that's the first yeah that's the one so that's too far out there to believe We've harvested baby parts mm-hmm. to flavor pepsi cola is not too far out no but the russians trying to affect our media is no evidence of that <laughs> that is just amazing that is just amazing. It's so weird. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, there was a uh, pretty lengthy, it is all circumstantial with the Russia stuff. I mean, but it's, this is how intelligence works. I mean, they, they go, they don't, you're never going to have, like the Russians are going to be like, yeah, gosh, darn it. You're right. Oh, you caught us. You shouldn't have done it. No, 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 not true. Putin doesn't. But you do have on record on the night of Super Tuesday, you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alexander Dugan on YouTube in English talking about this is the guy we have to back this is what we have to do we have to do all we can to make sure we get him elected i I mean more like forensic evidence of who hacked like they have a lot of really good 
uh, information. Uh, all the, all the, uh, what? No, all of a sudden I'm just saying, you know, it's like he's talking Dr. Seuss and, uh, you know, we have a lot of evidence of who hacked. <laughs> <laughs> what? Last can of hacked. You have had a stroke, haven't you? During yes. the show? Is it just Sarah ongoing? Palin, we both had strokes. Okay. <laughs> that is it. I don't know. Well, I'm just looking at this awful Christmas oh, letter, and you're talking about who hacked. That is great. It is. I will say it is. obscure than any of my 70s lyrics, by the way. But it was good, it was right? Good. It yeah. was good. I liked it. He stole the last can of who hacked. No. I like it. Sorry. I do. I like it. I will Thank say with, with your painting, there's no evidence of a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> a full out one. Yeah, no, it's true. Minor one, maybe. Well, that's I don't. Really... I just don't think that painting is that bad. What is the deal? No, it, I it, mean, that's it sad bad when or... we're bad. when the defense is. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it was I much better. Oh, it's going to hang in the Guggenheim, worse, but no, it's, it's not. You know, it's well, it's not okay. finished yet. Better than that I is, is Guggenheim. Not finished. I keep changing it. The more I change it, the worse it gets. <laughs> I didn't even realize Guggenheim looked like that. Anyway, what were you saying, Stu, with your fat mouth? What were you saying? <laughs> I really don't know where I was. No, what, what were you saying? I was listening to you. Well, about the hacking in from the Russians. Oh, man. Who hacked? That's <laughs> what he was saying. The who's hacked? Uh, the Russians. And this. Looking into it. Do we have oh, did Putin himself carve the roast beast? I don't think so. Uh, there are reports today, or like, maybe it was, I don't know if it was this morning or last night, where they're saying uh, Putin directly had a hand in the hacking. Like, I don't know that he was necessarily typing, but like, it was like his thing. I believe it. I mean, I do too, but oh, I mean, yeah. again, and that's, that's not to say that the Trump was going to lose. journalists. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean Trump was going to lose. People will take that as like this big attack on Donald Trump. It's not at all. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Yeah, he was it going has to win anyway. everything to do with Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin is happy that we're having this conversation. And Vladimir Putin did not make Hillary Clinton not go to Wisconsin during the entire general election. Hillary Clinton did, Vladimir Putin did not make Hillary Clinton dump millions of dollars to right. run up the popular vote in New Orleans and Chicago so they could win the popular vote thinking they didn't want to have that situation where they won the Electoral College and didn't win the popular vote. Nor did he make James Comey come out with the, yes. uh, with the investigation stuff. That's really what lost That's the election. That's what lost the election. It sure is. And I, was well, well ahead and again, that, was, th- that doesn't work on almost all candidates. Uh, 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 an email and that's why you're hearing about you that's why you're hearing about fake news and everything else you're not hearing about comey if you really want to know why hillary clinton lost all you have to do is look at her polling numbers yeah she is universally distrusted and disliked everyone's trying to say that the polls were so radically wrong they weren't they weren't they weren't, they no, weren't. No. I, yeah it was she's the, win the by popular two. vote was right and so here's what happened when you have two people who are really unlikable let's try the new one because i know what she's gonna do yeah and by the way the polls i mean the pollsters have been beaten up the average poll uh, in the week, uh, in the week leading up to the election, there were 17 of them, I believe. The average poll had Hillary Clinton winning by 2.8 points. The final popular to- vote total is going to be Hillary Clinton by 2.1. Oh my! That God. is that is not a problematic. 
That is not a poll issue. That's almost dead on. He won in the states he had to win. That is what is important. He did what he had to do. He He ran a better campaign than Hillary Clinton. There's now evidence that Hillary Clinton was telling volunteers that wanted to go to Michigan to know stay in Iowa where she had no chance. And who knows, one of these things easily could have cost her the election. Okay, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Officials are warning of an increased risk of identity theft this holiday season. We've been telling you this for forever. Who is, who is the number one country backing hackers? Who hacked? R- Russia. Russia. The Who's. The Who's. Who's hacked? Down in Whoville. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, make sure you're protected with LifeLock. If you're a LifeLock member, you become a victim of identity theft. Their U.S.-based team will work to resolve your case. Free credit monitoring only detects credit problems. LifeLock helps detect and fix the identity problems. Nobody can prevent all identity theft, monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. Right now, for a special 15% discount, you can call and get it. 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK15. Save 15%. Right now, offer ends December 31st, promo code BEC15, 800-440-4936. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. you to know we're about to turn the music off for a second because this is important we're about to make science history i am about to say make a criticism of Stu's sweater (laughs) his christmas sweater and i think scientifically this is provable his sweater is so ugly i want everybody in the studio to look at his sweater his his sweater is so ugly i do not believe the camera and we i mentioned to the shader earlier that the colors are not right i believe that it is technically impossible to capture the ugliness. Look at that. It, doesn't, it looks better on TV. It sure does. does, yeah. I mean, and it looks and bad And we have on a TV. professional shader. Who's shading today? We have a professional shader. Try to tw- tweak this thing. Try to, try to make that thing look better on television, will you? You can't do try it. To get, he can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. It's not, it will not capture the actual color of that sweater. No. It's that. Oh, look at that. Now it's there. You go. Hey, one thing the shader can do is make these jeans look good. These fat guy jeans now for sale. Seventeen ninety one dot com. Fat guy. Big Tex denim. That's right. This is fake news. Overweight people asked this is for fake it. News. We gave it to is that them. True. Big guy jeans. Seriously? Yeah, they're available. Big Tex denim. Wow. Seventeen ninety one dot com. Seriously? Yes. Is that after you? I have my own guys. My, my own fat guy section. Okay. And, uh, well, you've been asking for We've had a lot of people call and say, hey, come on, you, come on. you make a bigger Thank size, you. please. And we have. between uh, the, the big text denims just go between 40 and 52, size, sizes 40 to 52. Get your orders in right now. 40 to 52. Yes. That's the big guy Good section. God, we've killed every denim on the planet. <laughs> Why would be you, able to make would... pants for you? I didn't say they were mine. Uh, denim is now an endangered species. <laughs> 
um, check it out. It makes a great Christmas gift. Seventeen ninety one. Um, uh, and are these Edward Jansen? Are these big, big techs? How much do you know? How much they cost? Yeah, they're under hundred bucks. Yeah, great, they're great jeans. Great, great jeans. Check them out. Seventeen ninety one dot com. Fill the surplus of Deb. <laughs> this no. is nope. the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.